American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. I am your host, Tex of the Fresno Irons, joined by the one, the only, the dulcet tones, whose wife is way better looking than he'll ever be, Mr. Liam Bright. How are you doing today, Liam? Oh, I'm doing well because, you know, I'm second rate in my house. Actually, at this point, I'm probably fourth rate in my own house. But, you know, those are the that's the price you pay for uh, punching above your weight. Oh, uh, actually, it's a correction. You're fifth in your household. Don't forget about the dog. Uh, <laughs> do not forget about the dog. Um, this is true. And let, let's be 100% honest. Uh, we, we've done a poor job as uh, podcasters here. We've, we've missed... <laughs> We've missed a, a, an episode here, so and it was a bad time to miss, but we had things coming up on, on uh, my side, and I want to apologize to all our listeners there, although it's probably nice of you not have to listen to my dumb ass. But um, at the end of the day, <laughs> we obviously missed the recap of the Manchester United game. We missed the Leeds game altogether, and then obviously Crystal Palace happened today, and we're recording on the day of the Crystal Palace game. Uh, quick recap of that Manchester United game. That's what happens when you don't take your chances, Liam. When you don't put yeah. goals in, that you hit the woodwork, and you don't take advantage of your opportunities, that's what happens. And obviously they bring on Bruno Fernandes, and it was a different situation. But this is what I want to point out, Liam. This is the beautiful part. West Ham United, normally that crushes their spirit to get ran out. The, they were ran out of the stadium in the second half. They were, they were never in it in the second half. Bruno Fernandes came on and changed the whole game. So what I'm going to say is this. Normally, West Ham then cannot figure it out the next time on their next time out, and it was against Leeds, a team that today scored five goals. They scored five Jesus. goals today. But West Ham get in that match with um, Leeds United. And wouldn't you know it, they find a way to get a late winner from Ogbonna on a beautiful goal off a set piece, and they win the game 2-1. to one. They fight back. They get that win. And West Ham United, this is a different team. That There is something that, that's going on that we're not used to. There's something yeah. going on we're not used to. And right now, the situation is a beautiful problem for West Ham United because we're not falling into the trap anymore. We're not in quicksand. We can pick ourselves up. We can lose a game 3-1, and we can find a way to bounce back and win. And then today, Liam, Crystal Palace, a team that has always given us issues, no matter what happens, they are always on top of us. We always seem to have problems with Andres Townsend, Jordan Ayew, my fucking God, that guy <laughs> scoring goals at the end of games against us. And sure as shit today, they brought him on late. And I was like sweating bullets that he was going to get the the goal that gave him the win. And obviously Wilfred Zaha is a problem for everybody. He tends to be a more particular problem for us. But at the end of the day, West Ham United find a way, fall down early 1-0 after poor defending in the box, allowing Christian Benteke, who has not fucking played most of the year. And I think it might have been his first start all year. I'm not even lying about that. I believe and, it. And of course, his ass finds the goal in the back of the net. And West Ham and I have to fight and claw, and they get one back. It is a beautiful moment that West Ham United have. Thank God we were able to equalize in that game. Um, and then Crystal Palace gets a red card, and we think 
oh, we're on now. Like a two red card, I mean, two yellows for Christian Benteke, high elbows when he's going up. I think you and I talked about this in a pre-production. I'm not going to sit here and say it should have absolutely been two yellows and a red. They did seem a little soft, but I think when the ref tells you once, tells you twice, and then you do it two more times, I think the ref is making a point I'm going to call it. Um, and so yeah. I don't I don't necessarily think that it shouldn't have been called. I think that there was plenty of warning, and Benteke did not adhere to those warnings. So therefore, he gets off. West Ham um, have all the opportunity. Uh, we actually made subs today at a, at a decent <laughs> time. Um, and it was a nice situation I saw from West Ham United. Unfortunately, we could not find the winner. But Liam... What are your thoughts on today, especially a game for West Ham United where we really, really struggled to find any positivity going forward? We just could not find that final pass. Well, you think about it. We always struggle against Palace. I mean, last year we lost to them both home and away, which, I mean, is kind of indicative of the last several seasons too. I think Palace, I don't, I don't want to call them an Achilles heel, but they come to battle. And I know, as you mentioned earlier, Wilfred Zaha pretty much always gives our backline fits. I know that Ryan Frederick struggled with him last year. Um, and really for us, we just didn't have an answer. Uh, this year we did. I mean, let's be honest. When you go back and watch that game, Sufal had a fucking blinder of a match. Like, he just had Zaha in his pocket. There were multiple times where he just spun him around. There were times where he nicked the ball off him. There were times where either Rice or Suchek came over or Bowen dropped back. And it, it allowed them to... to, to kind of play around Zaha. I, I actually thought that he had an incredibly quiet evening, uh, which I think did wonders for us as a team, because then at that point, we didn't have as much of a concern um, on our right side, you know, as a Palace uh, attack down the left. You know, I think that we've shown that this team, you know, they have that will. They have the cojones, right? They have the 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 willpower and the manpower to fight back and to battle. Uh and I think that that's what's super important. When you have somebody like Lanzini that can come in at halftime and change the complexity of the game, right? Like there were multiple times that Lanzini was dribbling around the top of the 18 and, you know, maybe he probably could have taken the shot or if somebody had maybe uh, spun off of one of the center backs, he could have made that play in the final third, like that final pass to get the winning goal or to put us up a good three or four goals. Uh, you know, it, even though we didn't get it, it wasn't that we weren't looking for it. And I know Lanzini, I know that Ben Rama, I know that Sufal, they all were trying to do their part to get us that that winner. So it wasn't that we were content to sit back with a 1-1 and hope that we draw. That was what the mentality was last year. This year, we still fight. We go for the win, and I love that. I absolutely love that about this team, and especially when it's Palace. When it's a London derby, if we don't fucking you know, pull our socks up and get the shit done, I mean, what the fuck are we playing for? And credit to Moyes, and, and nobody's been more critical of Moyes on this show than myself, especially when it comes to substitutions and his inability to make timely substitutions to allow players to impact the game. And sure as hell, he finally does it. And he brings on, we talked about it at halftime. I called you and he did the exact subs that I would expect him to do. So I'm just going to say, David Moyes, thank you for listening. And we do appreciate your support on this show. Um, it, I'm glad that you're finally listening. You call me anytime, brother, and I will help you out. Uh, I'll give you my pager number. Yes, I'll go 1998 pager, pager style, and you can let me know. 
Um, well, I mean, I, th- I feel like Moise is already doing enough, right? He he contributes to your OnlyFans, and I know like that's <laughs> that's really what keeps the lights on over at your place. So that's my one subscriber on OnlyFans is David <laughs> Moise. Okay, um, here, here's the here's the thing: the subs were beautiful. Um, he brings in Manuel Lanzini for Pablo Fornells. Is is the curious case of Pablo Fornells? We'll get to later, but we do have to admit that, and I don't think anybody will argue this. You're offered a lot more going forward by Manuel Lanzini than you ever will be by Pablo Fornells. Maybe Pablo Fornells is a guy that's going to run his socks off and put in a shift, and I know David Moyes loves that. But in that game, we needed quality, and sure as hell, Lanzini finds it. He gets the ball deep, dribbles it up, finds a nice pass to Sufal, who one-times the cross in, and can we take one moment to celebrate a peach of a finish by Sebastian Allaire, the overhead bicycle kick. The goalie had no chance. And you know what's funny? A lot of times that goal and that much traffic, this was not like Andy Carroll where he's wide open. Sebastian Allaire is in the middle of three defenders, finds a way to drop his body, get his head, his foot over his head and slam the ball and just under the crossbar to give the goalie. It was beautiful with, with immense amount of pace. And normally I've seen that goal get called back because of a high boot, but think credit to the rest for not stealing a beautiful moment from West Ham United there. But (laughs) I got to tell you right now, you know, Sebastian Hilaire was not even a factor in the game. Lanzini comes on and Hilaire starts touching the ball. And that's all I'm going to yep. say. Like, then we start hearing Hilaire's name. I'm not going to tell you that everything was pure quality out of Hilaire. I still think he is not as good as Mikel Antonio. I think Antonio is clearly our number one striker. But it's nice to see Sebastian Hilaire impacting some games, getting some goals. Um I mean, one game he hit the woodwork twice. It's nice to see him finally get one of those to get under the bar and get in. Uh, it was it was a phenomenal goal, phenomenal yeah. goal, and I think it's one of those goals that if Sebastian Allaire starts to work out for West Ham United, I think we're all going to look back and say, you know, it took it just took him a little longer to settle in. And I know I'm, I'm a prisoner of the moment right now. I have to admit that I'm a prisoner of the moment, <laughs> but. Sebastian Hilaire, hats off to you, sir. One hell of a second half. I'm not going to give you credit in the first half, but in the second half, well done, sir. What what went through your mind when you saw that goal? Oh, I was I had you know visions of Andy Carroll uh, also against Crystal Palace, but as you said, wide open on that right hand side in the box and just absolutely crushing it past the keeper. And and I think with this game. I do feel like Allaire settles in. For the most part, I feel like he does settle in better. How do I put this without seeming like I'm insulting people? I think he settles in with higher quality players. I'll put it that way. I think you look at somebody like Sebastian Allaire and like, yeah, you know, he can work with Bowen and Fornals. We've seen him score goals with those guys on the pitch, but he seems to be more of a threat with Benrama, with Lanzini, right? When when he has higher quality players, I think he kind of elevates his game as well. And I think that's incredibly important for Moyes to recognize as well, because if we're going to be the team that maintains maintains consistency throughout the season, we need to be able to out- align players that work well together on, on the pitch. And if you have Benrama, you have Allaire, and you have Lanzini, as, as that attacking three, 
that's great. And then your other attacking three can be Antonio, Bowen, and Fornells. I think that still works. We've seen when when we crushed Leicester and Wolves back-to-back, we know that front three will work, but it's nice to have the options. And especially right now when we are down Masawaku, we are down um, uh, Antonio, we were even down Balbuena this game and it, and still walked out with a draw. So, you know, I, I, it's great to have those options, It's but it's incredibly important for Moyes to recognize what players are going to complement each other on the pitch. I, it's very clear that we're missing Mikel Antonio. I, I, here, here's the thing with Sebastian Allaire. Um, he doesn't have the, as big as he is, he should have a more physical presence, but he doesn't. He's more of a passive player. And that's, that's no fault. I'm not saying that, that he can't be a successful player for us. He's starting to show us what he can do. It's, it needs to be more consistent and it needs to be more uh, prominent when he does do it. He needs to, his name needs to be more prominent in these team sheets uh, when other teams see him. And I don't think he has that presence yet, but Mikel Antonio, what we're missing is his presence, his physical prowess that he has on the pitch and how he can take guys on. And he's just a, a physical brute out there. Mm-hmm. And he's going to hold up the ball. He's going to beat you. And if you try to take it from him, he's stronger than you are. And he's going to hold you off. And he draws so much attention. That's what makes us so dangerous because he allows other people to come in, whereas Sebastian Allaire gets pushed over a little too easy for my liking. Yeah, he agreed. Gets, he gets the ball taken from him a little too easily, and I wish that he would get a little Antonio in him. But overall, with the performance today, we weren't at our best. Um, Crystal Palace was playing better football than they normally do, and I, they <laughs> shared the points. They shared the points. I don't think Palace is as good as West Ham, and I, I think no. a lot of people would agree with that. But I think Palace was playing a punch and above their weight today, not by a lot. And I think West Ham, it took us a little bit to get going. But at the end of the day, even when we did not play well, West Ham United found a way to get something out of that game. Whereas years past, that's a game we lose. That's where a game we make a late mistake like we did earlier this season against Arsenal. And what ends up happening is we drop that game and we put ourselves in a bad situation. Right now, this is the thing with West Ham United. When we're not playing well, we're still finding a way to get something out of the game. And that's the big thing there. So I'm going to pose you this question. I'm going to ask you this. Is it finally time, 13 games into the season, five games, or excuse me, six games short of the halfway point, can we confidently say now, that West Ham United are for real. Can we say that, Liam? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at this last stretch of three games going 1-1-1, right? Manchester United with the loss. And I think with that game, as we talked about earlier, it was a tale of two halves. Because if you if we had played the way in the second half that we did in the first, we absolutely win that game. No, no issue at all. Just Manchester United has more quality. They were able to bring on players that were absolute game changers. And unfortunately, we didn't have an answer for that. You look at Leeds, which was horribly refereed the entire time. I thought that uh, Leeds got away with a lot of bullshit on the pitch that typically other teams wouldn't. And we suffered through it and were still able to get the the, the win out of that one. And then you look at this one with Palace, the game that we typically lose and we were able to walk away with points. So out of three games, take away four points. Fuck yeah, I'll take that all day. And I think that that's what's super important about this team underneath Moyes is that he 
he has the buy-in of the players. We know that. We know that these players will play for Moyes. They battle for Moyes, not just the badge, not just the shirt, just not just the paycheck. They battle for Moyes. He has their buy-in. It's time that we give him our buy-in as well. I mean, there was all that Moyes out shout early on in the season. I mean, as soon as he has a bad game, especially that first one against Newcastle, you know, everybody's calling for his head. But this is a project. These these things take time. And I think we gave patience to uh, Manuel Pellegrini that we never would afford Ford Moyes. And it, he's proven at this point that he has earned our trust, he's earned our respect, and we need to back him. We need to back him until it gets to that point. Hopefully it doesn't, but if it gets to that point where we say, look, losing games that we should absolutely win, you know, not looking uh, sharp or interested while we're on the pitch, it doesn't look like the players give a shit anymore, then we know he's lost the locker room. But let's enjoy it while we've got it. We've got a manager that wants to be here and players that want to fight for him. That's you can't ask for better than that. So I'm going to back up a second because when you ask the question, can we say West Ham are for real? I, I, I'm pessimistic. We all know this. I'm a pessimistic fan. I'm I'm that motherfucker. But at the end of the day, this is what I'm going to tell you: we are for real. And I had this conversation today with a friend who's a Liverpool fan, and I and I told him I was excited about the way we play today, and I said, dude, I, I think West Ham's for real. I think we're going to push the top eight. I really believe that now. And he goes, I don't know. It's early in the season. He goes, let's wait till you play. He's his exact words. Let's wait to see how you play against the top six. And I go, we've already played four of the top six. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, you have? And I said, yeah, we had the hardest schedule to start any Premier League season, I think, out of everybody in the Prem. And we lost one game in that stretch. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so I told him that and he was just kind of he kind of looked at me and he goes, Who'd you lose to? I said, Well, I'm not proud of it. We did lose to Arsenal, but you know, um, <laughs> and he goes, Shit, you're right. You guys did do all these things. He's like, yeah, we drew against City, you know, um, we we've played well. Um, we lost to Liverpool, but we probably should have got something out of that game, yep. just like Arsenal. And so when you look at this situation, I think West Ham United are for real. And I, th I think I can say that after 13 games because the games that we would typically find a way to lose, we're not losing. Yeah. We're finding a way to get something out of the game. And I think that is massive for not just the players on the pitch and not just David Moyes. It's massive for us, the supporters, to have that belief because – I look forward to watching the games now way more that I haven't felt this way since the last season at the bowl in. And I, yeah. and I, and the reason why is because there's, this, even if we lose, it's, uh, it's not like I'm okay with it, but it's like, I still think it's going to wreck our season. I think we're good enough to push forward. And I absolutely love what this team has done. Now to your point that you were saying about David Moyes, because that was my next question here. Do we back David Moyes? And you've said, Yes, we do. Yeah, unequivocally. You have to. Unequivocally, for all the reasons that you've already mentioned. And I and I yeah. think that and, and to give you credit, I'm I'm going to tell you that I think you you make some solid points. This is <laughs> you don't agree with them, but yeah, I do what, make some solid points. This is what I'm gonna say about David Moyes. It is it is like pulling a splinter out of my eyeball to tell you this. <laughs> I think we without question, have to start backing David Moyes. And yeah. I think it's a situation now where this is what I'm going to tell you. Forgive this, but West Ham fans 
and supporters are some of the most in-the-moment supporters I've ever seen. We lose a game, we're going down. We win a game, we're winning the league. You can't be that extreme. It's like bipolar disorder that we have. And so my big thing with this is I'm going to live in reality here. I have a theory, and I'm going to throw this out you, and this is why we back David Moy. So I'm, I'm going to call even myself out here. We have been screaming at GSB to hire a worthy manager. Well, GSB finally listened and went and hired Manuel Pellegrini. We wanted world-class players. They backed him and went and got guys like Philippe Anderson, Andre Yarmolenko, and other names that I don't even care to mention because they're not impacting the team. And so we did all this, and it fell apart. So in my head, I think GSB is sitting there, Liam, going, fuck you guys. I ain't listening to the fans no more. We're going to go get what we know, which is David Moyes. We're going to go sign proven English players that play in England that are Jared Bowen and this guy named Saeed Benarama out of Brentford that's tearing up the championship. We're going to give these guys that are young and hungry an opportunity in the Premier League, and we're not going to listen to you guys anymore. We did what the fans were calling out for, and it did not work. Now what you said, the players love playing for Moyes. You can see the way they act. Uh, Aaron Cresswell just said in a recent interview, he's never seen a spirit this good at West Ham United. Yeah. So He's now, been here six years. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm looking at it and I say, it doesn't matter what I think. I can shit on David Moyes all I want. <laughs> I'm a stupid ass supporter, Liam. That's all I am. It's very clear the man has a plan. It's very clear he knows what he's doing. And it's very clear I've been 100% wrong. And (laughs) it's very clear that David Moyes may have been one of the most unlucky men in the history of English football because when you are anointed by Sir Alex Ferguson to take over Manchester United and you get that job and the ownership doesn't like you, you're screwed from the beginning. They never truly backed him. I I saw, this is what's funny. I saw the amount of money they spent under David Moyes got quadrupled when they brought in Louis van Gaal. Jesus. Quadrupled. Quadrupled. So of course he failed. And then he took on, (laughs) and then he went over to Sunderland. That was a sinking ship. That's like dating your ex-girlfriend for the fourth time while she's cheating on you and asking her out. That's what Sunderland was like. Yeah. Okay. Oh God. And that, that was the Titanic uh, at a, at a uh, gr- even grander scale. And I, at that point too, uh, when Moyes came back, right. Everybody was kind of throwing that in his face. Like, Oh yeah. Sunderland, Sunderland. It's like, dude, but who else after him had success at Sunderland? Like they dropped two leagues. Like that's <laughs> you, nobody was going to be able to write that ship. It, it was going to take a while and they had to make massive changes for that to be able to be done. And that's what's so incredible, right? Is because he he saves us from relegation, doesn't get the extension. Pellegrini comes in, puts us back into relegation fodder. Moyes comes back and fucking saves us a second time. And we're surprised. Like, we're surprised that the the players buy into his message. It's like, why? He's done it twice. Like, he's done it twice. And at this point, uh, I'm almost tired of, of hearing people 
bash him. You know, like, I mean, beyond your red card, which is always super funny, but like, just on, like on Twitter, like the fact that like, ah, oh, fucking Moy's ball again. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, do you not see where we are on the table right now? Like, yeah, there's been a couple games that we haven't played beautiful football, but are we getting the fucking results? Yeah. Quit your whining. I, I, I just have to admit, I, it's I, I it's hard for me to say anything negative anymore. I told you, I think two episodes ago, if he figures out that substitution thing, I'm not going to have anything to bitch about. Right. And it looks like he has. I have nothing negative to say because you took your shitty substitutions that you used to do. You're not doing them anymore. So not only are you growing as a manager, but you're understanding what helps out the team and you're making the substitutions in the correct way. Uh, although I, I do firmly believe you did listen to my podcast. Um, and I, <laughs> I think that's why you did it. Cause I want a little credit here, but I think we have to back Moyes. I think this whole talk of, we need a more perfect manager. No, we don't. We need a West Ham manager. I, I've said this before. There's a famous quote from Herb Brooks, one of the greatest American hockey coaches ever um, coached the United States, 1980 men's hockey team that beat Russia at Lake Placid and won the gold medal. Herb Brooks said to, when they was like, why aren't you taking all these players? These are the best players. He goes, I don't need the best players. I need the right players. And what West Ham United need right now is the right manager, not the best manager. And David yeah. Moyes is the right manager. Is he the yeah. best? Fuck no, he's not the best. But he's the right manager for West Ham United. And right well, now, that's at, what we need. Well, look at Arteta, right? Just got sacked from, from Arsenal, right? Or he's about to get the fucking sack from Arsenal if he hasn't already. And that's a perfect example, right? I remember when he was an option and, and West Ham fans were calling for Arteta to come to West Ham. He couldn't make Arsenal work. What makes you think he was going to make West Ham work? You know, and then like on the flip side, you look at somebody like Slavin Bilic who just got the axe earlier today, you know, and like, God bless Slavin Bilic and fucking Julian Dix. Those guys are are legends, but sometimes it's just, if you don't have the backing of the board and you have certain players, right? Like they, Slavin pushed hard to get Grady D in Ghana because he thought that that was going to piece, going to be a piece of the puzzle that he was missing to be able to continue the fight after they came up from uh, championship into the prem and it just didn't work out but you can see the the absolute change where it's not always the money spent right it's not always the board it's not always the manager it's got to be the proper combination of everything so even if Moyes isn't getting the money that we think he needs he's still using that money to get the players that work look at Sufal look at Bowen look at Suchek look at Ben Rama like these players are game changers and they've absolutely made us a threat to be reckoned with this season. So saying that, that we're both for the first time ever on this show, we're, we're both in 100% agreement. We're going to back <laughs> David Moyes, um, you know, that we're going to look like draws. We're, we're not going to shower as much as we used to because we're going to try to take on his aura. You yeah, know, pretty much. We're going to chew a little more Werther's original. Um, I know that they <laughs> don't have... I know they don't have murder she wrote over there in England, but maybe, you know, downtown Abbey is a nice substitution that we can start watching. Um, so knowing that we're backing Moyes now and we're going to go all in here, what do you think the board and David Moyes need to find in January in order to strengthen this squad? Not necessarily the players, but what, what areas do you think we need to target um, this, uh, this upcoming January transfer window? Well, I think we need um I need we, we need strength on the wing, right? I think that we need another um another striker for sure if not two. Uh 
I mean, possibly another center back just for the sake of having one. And that's that's an odd shout too, right? Because Dawson made the bench for Leeds and Diop was left off. Uh, and, you know, from the rumors and whatnot that we're hearing, it's that Dawson is more um, vocal than Diop. And I don't know if it's a confidence issue, if it's a language barrier, or if Diop just has taken a little bit of a, a hit not being the starting center back now that Balbuena's kind of stepped into his his rhythm so far this season. Uh, you know, there's there's rumors abounding, you know, that, that there's plenty of players that we've taken a shine to, but that's not to say that any of them are actually going to come come uh, come true at the end of, of, of the transfer. Like Christian Erickson on the radar, like, yeah, I mean, he's a great player. I think that he did phenomenal over at... Um, uh, Inter Milan. Yeah, is that where he was? Well, that, he's at Inter right now, but obviously he, he did his best work at Tottenham. No, I yeah, okay, so it is Inter that he's at. For some reason I thought he was in um Spain, but yeah, my bad. Um uh, yeah, I think like he did his he did he did great at Tottenham. I mean, I hate to say anything positive about Tottenham players. Um uh, I don't know if he's particularly the right fit for for our squad. You know, I think that we need workhorses and I think that with Christian Eriksen, he likes the he likes the attention to be on him. He likes to be the the star player and I just don't think that our squad operates very well with that type of mentality. Uh, which leads me to my next rumor. Everybody's talking about Arnautovic again, uh, and that's a pretty divisive conversation. And I'll, I'll be honest, I'll hold my hand up. There was a moment where I was thinking like, man, it would be great to have that bastard back up front because the dude could bang in goals. But you really think back to the way that he disrupted the locker room, the way that he, you know, you know, stamped his feet and fucking threw a fit and his, you know, brothers spouting out the mouth with all these rumors and bullshit. Uh, We don't need that. We don't need a player to come in and be disruptive. Uh, We're possibly still in for Josh King. I think if we can get him on the cheap, that's probably a good, uh, a good backup to have to Antonio and Allaire. Uh, And the, the, the main one that's really interesting for me is Abdallah Sima from Slavia Prague. He might actually be another uh, player that we pillage out of our Czech uh, sister club at this point, uh, which, I mean, he he's like 19, so he's a young kid. He's tall, uh, great in the air. He's one of those guys that has like crazy hang time. So he'd, be, he'd absolutely be stunning with, you know, Sufal or Cresswell or even Bowen, you know, knocking in those crosses, hopefully Lanzini knocking in crosses or set pieces. Because that's, let's be honest, that's where we are the most lethal is, uh, is on set pieces. So I think if we have another guy that has that height advantage that that can help battle in the air, I'm all in for it. But I'm interested to see what you think, man. I don't know if you kind of echo a lot of my same thoughts. Uh, the number one thing is we need um, – I, I think our best formation is is the three at the back. And because of that, I think we need cover at wing back. So I yeah. think I think we need cover at wing back. I think Sufal um, has been a brilliant signing. I like Ryan Fredericks. I don't know if Ben Johnson is ready. Um, and I, I, I'm just being honest there. Um, I don't think Pablo Fornells, that's his natural position. So having him there as cover kind of worries me. So I'd like to see them get a left, a left wing back, if you will. I think that's the side we really need it on. Um, I I'm, I'm a firm believer, like I'm being honest here. I really think they need to try and go get a cover, uh, like for like replacement for Thomas Suchek. And the reason I say that is because I'm worried that if Suchek gets injured, that changes that double pivot to Declan Rice and Mark Noble. And not that that's bad, but what Suchek has been offering going forward 
Mark Noble's not going to offer that. Right. You know, and so I, I think that that hurts us um, and where, where we're dangerous. And then I don't think we need anything in the midfield at all. I understand the the rumor about Christian uh, Erickson, and I'll be honest, if Christian Erickson wanted to come, I would love it because he's a former Tottenham player, and I would love for him to be on the pitch when we play Tottenham just as a fuck you. I would absolutely yeah. love that. But no. really, I, I think if I'm ordering the positions of need – I think we're fine at center back. I like our cover. And remember, we can always stick Declan back there if need be. I don't think that's a good idea to put Declan back there, but we can. And I think we're fine at center back. I firmly believe that. I think we need a left wing back. And I think yeah. he needs to be a, in the Sioux Fall type uh, type player. Because um, I think Masuaku is, is that starting position. Um, when he's healthy, and I think there's no questioning that, but I think we need a guy that can come in and put in a shift right now that's not going to leave us in a lurch by any stretch of the means. But most importantly, after that left wing back, we need a striker, and I think Josh King is that guy. If we can't get Josh King, I think then we knew possibly need to think about Marco Analtovich. And the reason I will tell you this is because I think we can get Marco on the cheap, and Marco wants to come back, and when Marco Analtovich is motivated – we're good. And who is our manager right now? The man who stuck him up front, David Moyes. So if anybody can get Marco to shut his mouth and play football, it's Mark, it's David Moyes. Yeah, David Moyes can control that. So as long as Moyes is the manager, I have no problem going after Marco Anatovich. None at all. But the truth is, we don't need a hell of a whole lot. I think the more interesting question is what I'm about to poise to you right here. Who do we get rid of in January? I think that's a much more intriguing question for West Ham United because that's ultimately going to determine who we bring in. Because a guy like Christian Eriksen, he's coming into a loaded midfield. Who's going to go in order to bring him in? Like that's right. what that's what we have to look at. There the only positions that we would add and not drop anybody is wing back, striker and possibly center back, but I still think we're fine at center back. I think we have enough there. Yeah, and honestly, that is the million-dollar question, man, because I and I was racking my brain trying to think, like, okay, well, you know, previously we were saying, like, yeah, drop Allaire, sell uh, Yarmo, sell Lanzini. Like, these are the guys that you're going to be able to get some sort of coin for to be able to reinvest into other players. But you look at what Lanzini's been able to do, man. Like, he came on at halftime today and changed the complexity of the game. You know, that that Tottenham match turns into a loss, without Lanzini on the pitch to 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 hammer home that that rocket. I think Lanzini has proven he still has a place on this squad. For me, for me. He he has absolutely proven that he deserves a spot. Uh, I would I would try to figure out a way to get him in that starting lineup if possible. I just don't know how you fit that in because I I'm I'm with you. I prefer a 3 at the back. And I think when you have that 3 plus the double pivot and the the wing backs, you're kind of limited, right? You either have to drop Bowen to fit Lanzini in, or you drop Ben Rama to fit Lanzini in. And I, I I like Ben Rama and Bowen on the pitch at the same time. I actually think the the first half, I think they looked like they had a, a pretty good beat. I think that Bowen unfortunately got pinned back quite a bit to to um, kind of give lend some additional support to Sufal. And when I watched the game the second time. Palace had no problem throwing two and three players on Bowen when he would get on the ball because they, I think all teams recognize what a threat he is because he has pace, he has skill, and he can absolutely score goals. 
So I think at this point, man, for me, I'm probably going to sell Ryan Fredericks. Uh, I'm probably going to sell uh, Yarmolenko. And and here's my here's my theory behind it because Yarmo at this point I don't think he has the pace to be successful as a winger. He could probably just be a striker, but I don't find him uh, as much of a killer in front of goal as probably some of the other options that are out there. With Ryan Fredericks, uh, I think he's very pacey and he he can throw in a great cross, but he's too injury prone for me. And I'd almost prefer to keep Ben Johnson as kind of a backup for Souffal on the right-hand side. And then, like you said, let's pick up a different wing back that can be the the replacement for Masuaku. With Cresswell, I, I'm i not looking at a replacement for Cressy. I think he's fucking proven that he can absolutely get the job done. Uh, but really, man, like those are my, those are my only, the only ones that come to mind because even for Alaire, I, I don't, I don't think I sell him anymore. You know, I, I know we could probably get, some money, and you could easily get enough money from Alaire to buy a Josh King. But if you want that return on investment, you've got to give him, I'd say, at least to the end of this season to show whether or not he can make things happen. Well, I, I'm shocked to hear that we are in agreement on Manuel Lanzini. After today, I there's no way I sell him. And I said it on this show that that if you're not going to use him, you got to sell him. And I think today, it's been very curious to see what Moyes does on Monday against Chelsea because I think Lanzini has to start now. And I think he has to start because he's there. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and say it. These are the three guys that I sell, and one of them really hurts me. It really hurts me to say that. I'm, the first two that I sell, number one is Sebastian Allaire. And I sell him because I don't think it's been consistent enough and I think he needs a fresh start and we need to rid ourselves of him because I just, I think he is the leftover piece of a regime that we are no longer backing. You know, right. he's a, he's a manual Pellegrini by, um, I just don't think, look, if we hang on to him, I'm not going to complain, but I think we sell him in the hopes that you bring in a guy like Josh King or you go get a Marco Analtovich. If you're if that's on the books and you're going to be able to do that, then yes, you sell Sebastian Allaire. Even though I don't think that's the best absolute move, but we need somebody that plays more like Antonio. And Sebastian yeah. Allaire does not. Because that's when we're at our finest, is when we have a pacey physical front man that can give us hold-up play. Um, the next player that I sell is in agreement with you is Yarmolenko. I think Yarmolenko, this is just not the system for him, as dangerous as he can be. I think I think we've seen the best of what he's going to offer for us. Um, and I think that as much as it hurts, because I, I own a Yarmolenko kid. I love the man. Like, I absolutely love the man. And I would love to see him finish his career as West Ham United, but I know he's not happy on the bench. And he's too good. Every time he goes and plays for the Ukraine, every time he's out there, he scores a goal for his national team or he's assisting one. So right. the guy the guy just needs an opportunity to play all the time. And, you know, when you don't play, you make mistakes. So that's why I think he looks kind of like a baby giraffe running out there sometimes <laughs> when, you know, when he hasn't played that much. Um, and then this is the one that hurts the most. And, and the reason I say it is because he can go help a team in the championship. He, he can absolutely go help any of the teams at the bottom of the Premier League and be a starter and be a very good player for them. God, this is so hard to say, but it's Robert Snodgrass. Like, yeah. you know, Robert Snodgrass is our best set piece taker, but it's very clear he's not in the manager's plans. And I think it's time, you know, you can get eight, nine, 10 million for him. You know, and that's two thirds of what Josh King's going to cost. And so you make that play 
you, you get rid of those three players and you go, you go bring in a striker and you get a left winger and you're fine with the team in all honesty. And then if a luxury piece would go getting a guy that can maybe fill in for Suchek that offers the same things. Um, but really West Ham United, like I, I'm going to tell you the truth, Josh King and Marco Anatovich, to be hundred percent honest with you, neither one of them are the right buy for West Ham. They're, right. they're, they're a short-term fix and we're trying to be a long-term problem for everybody else in the premier league. And yeah. so it's more attractive for us to go find a younger player that maybe costs a little bit more, but he's on a lower wage that we can double his wage when he gets here and maybe pay 25 K 25 mil for, but he, he's on 20 K and we can say, we're going to pay you 45 K, you right. know, and that that's a very feasible option for us. You go get Marco Anatovich, he's making over, uh, I think, a hundred grand a year in China. He's not going to take a pay cut. You're going to have to pay him that when he comes here, at the least. You know, Josh King, Josh King's probably on a smaller wage. Um, but, you know, is he really between Marco Anatovich and Josh King? Which one do you know works in Moise's system? Well, we know that Anatovich does. We've seen it. We've right. never seen it with Josh King. So it's the gamble or the for sure. And that's a scary situation. I would rather have Josh King because anybody that dis- that disrespects the badge, I don't want them a part of the club anymore. But yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw my hands in the air and throw a hissy fit if we go sign Marco again. You know, shit. We we went and got David Moyes back. We love dating our ex girlfriends here at West Ham United. <laughs> we love it. You know, we love giving second chances. So when I look at it, uh, I mean, those are the three players I get rid of. I think Lanzini has proven it. Um, and I, I'm going to speak to something you said earlier before we hop, we're going to about to hop into who our best 11 is, but I want to speak to something you said earlier. You said, how do we get Lanzini on the pitch? And I think it's a much simpler answer than you said. You drop for nows. Yeah. And you play Lanzini in behind the striker, Ben Harama out on the left, Bowen on the right, and your lone striker up front. That's how you get him on the field and you let Lanzini create. That's what he does well. When Lanzini had Marco Anatovic in front of him, how dangerous was he? Yeah, that's he true. He was incredibly dangerous. You put him on the pitch with a physical striker that's going to take attention away, and he can find those little pockets of space. He will find those passes. And then you're going to add in Ben Harama and Bowen, who both love to dip inside and get the ball on their favored foot. You know, the right foot of Ben Harama, the left foot of Bowen. Oh my God. See, the only problem is if you drop for nows. Right. So timeout. That's where you're wrong. There's not a problem with drop for nows. That's <laughs> that's the right move. Well, no, I think to make that work though, you have to go to a four at the back. Because otherwise you're eliminating like Ben Rama would have to function like Masawaku did. And he'd have to be dropping back defensively, which eliminates the potential for him to be as much of a threat going forward because he has to keep giving the additional uh, coverage for Cresswell on that left-hand side. I'm not saying it can't be done with a back three. It definitely can. But there, that will be where opponents will attack us. They'll attack us in that back corner, and they will try to overrun Cress, especially because the dude's only like, what, 5'7", five, 5'8"? You know what I mean? Like, he's not the guy that gets in the box and is going to be able to battle for the he- the header the same way that Ogbana or Balbuena or Diop do. So I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying that that does leave us a little bit exposed on that one side unless you are going to allow either 
Benrama to have to keep dropping back, or the one thing that I know you hate is when Lanzini tries to pick up the ball behind the midfield line and then dribble his happy ass all the way up to the 18, which he prefers. Well, I, not that he prefers, but I think that we prefer to see him receive the ball in the attacking half as opposed to having to drop back too far defensively just to get his foot on the ball. I, I, I see your point. I still think you drop Fornals. I think I think we have to admit now the curious case of Pablo Fornals. Yes, he runs his ass off, and I understand. But, the, the, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean mascot is just not good enough. He's just no, not, not good enough. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He does a lot of good things, and I'm not going to say that he doesn't. And I'm not going to tell you that I don't like him. I, I think he is a great super sub that can come on and, and run somebody off because he's going to make the hustle play. He's proven it a million times. But I, I just don't think he's good enough. So that brings me to this. What is our best 11, according to Liam Bright, and what is our best formation? So are we doing best 11 that's available for, like, the Chelsea match? No, or are we doing best 11 if everyone's healthy? Everyone's healthy. Okay, so obviously Fabianski in goal. Like, I think that's undisputed for sure. Uh, going from right back across to, or so I should say right wing back, going across to left wing back is going to be Sufal, Balbuena, Ogbana, Cresswell, uh, and Masuaku. Uh, in my middle four, I'm going to go, I know you're going to be mad at this, but I'm going to go Bowen, Suchek, Rice, and Benrama. And then up top, I'm going to do Antonio. Um, I think if you change the tactic a little bit, you could probably switch Benrama with Masawaku and be able to put Lanzini where Benrama would sit. But as I said before, I think you're kind of pinning back uh, Benrama too much, which is why I would probably prefer Masawaku fully fit uh, operating as as a left wing back, and then Lanzini's my first sub off the bench. I pretty much agree with everything you said, except I really think that I'm starting to really wonder if if we should not play a false nine, and I'm yeah. really starting to wonder that um, because we know that, and I know that I said everybody's healthy, but we all know that at some point. This season, uh, Mikel Antonio is going to miss a chunk of time, and we're in it right now. So everybody fully healthy. Obviously, I agree with it. I agree with everything in the back. I still run with the back three. Um, I still go with Sufal, and I go with Masawaku as the wings. Um, I think the double pivot stays the same with Rice and Suchek, and then the front three. I'd have Bowen right, Antonio center, and Benarama left. And I'm, I, you know how I feel about Lanzini. Yeah. Here is the formation change that I would meet, that I would make. The formation change that I would make is I would probably go to a back four, like you said, just to get that attacking presence up there. But for some reason, that worries me because Cresswell, when he's stuck out there on that left wing, for some reason, it's like his mind goes blank. And he makes mistakes. But when he's in the back three as a center back, he plays a, a much different game. So Pablo Fornells would not be on um, for me in either formation. And the only reason I go with the back four is to get Lanzini on and put Lanzini in behind the striker. That's the, right. that's the only way that I would do it. And, and honestly, that may not be a bad shout. It may not be a bad shout to roll that way because with Lanzini on, you should get the majority of the possession. You should. But yeah. We'll have to see. So obviously those that's what we feel on the best 11 and the formation's a little interesting. Um, it's now time to go into our match preview. 
Um, obviously, we have a massive match, another another London derby, back-to-back. This time, we're going to the bridge with the, against those pinky-out, credit card-wielding, fancy motherfucking, posh Chelsea. That's where we're heading, to the bridge to take on the posh motherfuckers, um, the Chelsea headhunters. We're coming. The uh, ICF. And the you know the headhunters they they know each other well, they know each other well. Um, it's a big game for us. Obviously, Chelsea are a squad that um, a lot of people have a lot of faith in. They've got a lot of attacking presence, but they're on a bad run of form right now. They lost, uh, I believe they lost yesterday, or did they lose this morning? They lost uh, today or yesterday, um, but they end up losing a game. They obviously have some things they can throw forward, but we all know that. Former West Ham uh, great Frank Lampard is managing uh, that squad. Um, I say that in all sarcasm. So looking at this match, what do you expect to see from West Ham United coming off this subpar performance against Crystal Palace in this 1-1 draw? What do you expect to see? Uh, I expect to see a win. And let's be honest. I mean, and I'm not trying to do the false equivalency, right? Where it's like, well, we beat Wolves and Wolves just beat Chelsea yesterday, two to one, and we beat Wolves four zero. So th- theoretically, we should beat Chelsea five zero. No, I'm not. I'm not looking at it that way, right? Um, I do I think love this those is people so much, <laughs> right? They're just like, oh, well, I did this. It's like, no, come on, man. That's not how it works. Um, I do still think that this is a very winnable game. I don't think that Chelsea looks lethal. Um, I don't think they looked, I think they looked more lethal last year and we pulled the double on Chelsea. So, and that was the first win at the bridge in like, like 17 years or something like that. It was like, it was like a stupid amount of times since we'd won at the bridge. Um, I want to say it was like, what, since like 2002 or something. So, you know, I, I, for me, I think we probably keep the formation pretty much the same because we're not going to have Antonio back, even though Antonio wants to be back for that Chelsea game because he loves a London derby. Um, I don't think Moyes is going to rush him back because I feel like they probably did rush him too much to get back in for the Man United game, and that's why he's immediately back out again. Um, you know, I, I feel like... I feel like there'll be some moments of panic because West Ham likes to keep us on the edge of our seats. So I think there will definitely be some some moments where we're worried about the, uh, Chelsea trying to spring the comeback. I think this was probably going to be a low-scoring game, probably like a 1-0 or like a 2-1, similar to what we've seen uh, the last couple weeks for us. Uh, you know, obviously with the, the Man United game, the, that 3-1's kind of an outlier. Same thing with the Tottenham game being 3-3. But most of our matches after the Wolves and Leicester game have been fairly low scoring. So I think this one will be the same. Goals will come off of set pieces. Majority of our goals have come off that way. Um, I actually really like uh, Suchek. I think that he's been almost a ghost in the box where he pops up where people have least expected it. Uh, so I definitely see him getting a goal and I'd, I'd actually love to see Ben Rama finally get on the score sheet. So uh, as much as I want a to be able to keep that momentum going and continue to, to score goals, I won't, uh, I won't shake my head if he get, finds the back of the net. Uh, but I think they'll probably man mark him and uh, that'll leave Ben Rama or Bowen more, more room to operate. What about for you, man? Well, when it comes to the starting 11 for this match, I think the starting 11 we will see will be the starting 11 that started the second half. And I think okay. um, I think that's what he's going to do. I think the only change will be Pablo Fornals and Manuel Lanzini will get his first start. And I think it'll be a situation for David Moyes where he's going to look at Lanzini and say, prove it. Prove that you're this player that I've heard about. Prove that you're the guy. 
um, because every time I've brought you on, it's been inconsistent. You've had games where you've scored a worldly of a goal, and you've had games where I brought you on and you've disappeared. And then I have a game like yesterday where you come on and you make great runs. We just couldn't find that final pass or we couldn't make that run. Yesterday was the Lanzini that I, I, I saw that always said he's playing a different game than everybody else. I felt that way at times with him yesterday. Again, yeah. he's looking for somebody to make that final run. It's like, I'm going to take this guy on. You need to run and I'm going to send it to you. And they're just not on the same wavelength. I think he really needs to get a run. Uh, in this game, and and if it doesn't work, you you know you take him off at halftime, and you you throw on Pablo Fornells, and we roll, you know, and yeah. uh, you know it, it is what it is. We'll watch Pablo Fornells miss shots that he should make all day. I mean, <laughs> we've seen it for a year and a half now. So um, when I look at the starting lineup, that's what I expect to see. I wouldn't even be shocked if he does a formation change. Um, if he goes for it the back, um, he kind of, I think he actually did do that in the second half. I can't quite recall it, but I wouldn't be shocked yeah. to see him go for it the back, but cause I think Lanzini's best position is to sit in behind that striker. I think Ben Harama's best position is on the left side. Bowen is clearly on the right. Um, and I think if you do that with four in the back and you get Lanzini in behind, it could really make things work for Sebastian Allaire. We got to see him get involved in the game when Lanzini did come on. So I'm hoping that happens. I hope we get Balbuena back. That's another one that I hope to see. Yeah. Um, but I'm not quite sure what he's going to do there formationally. As far as the game goes, um, I'm pessimistic. You know this. Um, I'm <laughs> I'm not somebody that believe like I'm. I am Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. You know. I'm thinking we're going to get COVID. You know, the moment we walk into Stanford Bridge and we're going to have to play David Moyes at center back. You know. So it's just the way that I kind of look at it, but I honestly believe in my heart, we're a better team than Chelsea. I just don't think that we're uh, inferior to them in any way, shape or form. I don't think we're afraid of them. I think they're afraid of us. I think Frank Lampard, I think his asshole could make a diamond is uh, how tight he gets when he knows he has to play us. Uh, So I'm going for a two nil Chelsea, uh, two nil. Whoa. A two nil West Ham uh, victory. And I agree with you. And I, you took it from me. I think we're going to see Ben Harama get the opening goal, and I think he is going to punch his West Ham goal ticket uh, that day on yeah. Monday. I think he's going to do it, and I think our other goal is going to come uh, from Jared Bowen. I think Jared Bowen looks too dangerous right now to not be getting goals, and I think Bowen will get one. It might be a slop goal. It might be something where the ball bounces around in the box and he gets on the end of it, but he's going to do it. But I, I'm telling you the man of the match is going to be right now. It's going to be Sebastian Allaire. Sebastian Allaire is going to get man of the match because I think his confidence is finally there. I think he's feeling good. You hit a goal like that. I think he's still going to look stupid at times because that's what he does, but I think he's going to draw some attention. I think a goal like that scares a team like Chelsea and they're going to be like, we got to get guys on him. Got to get guys on him. And it's going to just make, I think he's going to draw too much attention. Funny. You just said that. So I'm agreeing with you yet again. Um, so I've got a two nil win for West Ham United. You have a two nil win as well. Um, your man of the match was remind me. Um, it's going to be Declan Rice Ooh. because it's Declan against Chelsea, and I know he is up up to his eyeballs for this game. He is going to be a man on fire. He's going to fucking dominate that midfield. Uh, he will have every Chelsea player in his back pocket when he goes to take his wallet and keys out at the end of the day. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Sebastian Allaire. Uh, I I think it's it's time. 
I think uh, it just took him a while to settle in, and I think it's time. I'm a prisoner of the moment, and I understand that. But <laughs> I, I, I think this is his time. Um, all right, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for your yellow and red cards. Hit me with your yellow card, Liam. So my yellow card's actually going to um, Crystal Palace for their tactics. So they went out there, and if you watch this match, every single time we went up to challenge for a header, their players had their arms just draped over our shoulders. So it was basically inhibiting our ability to jump as high. And let's be honest, like over half our team is more than six foot. So we are an absolute aerial threat at all points. So I understand why they did it, but I'm, I'm a little pissed that it wasn't called and that they were allowed to continue to do it throughout the entirety of the game other than you know bentiki obviously getting the double yellows i love how you call him bentiki oh yeah yeah oh yeah he doesn't Um, deserve to get his name actually pronounced correctly by me sorry (laughs) taking a page out of my book absolutely love it my yellow card is going to go to wilford zaha um and the reason i'm going to give it to zaha is because dude you are athletically superior to almost every team that you play You're faster, you're physical, you can do things. You do not need to play the Jack Grealish ball. You don't need to do it, man. Like you need to stay on your feet and you need to play because you are big, strong, and powerful and you need to fight through some of those challenges and hang on to the ball. You go down too easy. I swear to God, you're like a prom dress on prom night. It's absolutely ridiculous. You come off way too easy. And I, I just think that, I, it, it bothers me because Wilfred Zaha has been a player that has been in rumored to come to West Ham from time to time. I know it's never going to happen, but I remember thinking, what would he look like in Claret and Blue? And I don't want that player. I don't yeah. want Jack Grealish. I want a guy that's going to play like we've been playing. It's going to fight through stuff like Thomas Suchek. It's going to fight through stuff like Jared Bowen, Ben Harama. Ben Harama gets yanked, pulled every other direction. I don't ever see him go down. No. I love it. I absolutely love the way that he's playing. So right now, that is where my yellow card goes. Hit me with your red card. My red goes back to the fucking refs. This is bullshit. Again and again, you see these players get away with absolute heinous heinous bullshit. And I love that you brought up Zaha because that was going to be part of my my red card shout is the fucker is going down trying to flop into the box. And luckily, the ref just wagged a finger at him like, come on, dude, it's not going to happen. And it's it's frustrating because you see the opportunities like that. And it's like, okay, but if you know he's flopping, card him. And that's what's going to get him to stop. But it's infuriating because they shake that off. But then Grealish goes down like a fucking sack of potatoes. And yet they don't they don't do anything about that. They give him the foul, foul, they give him the free kick, they give the the fucking penalties left and right. And it's, there's no consistency. There's no fairness in the way that they treat teams. And it's just, it's, it's mind boggling that these guys still have a fucking job. So my red card goes to the refs, even though they did hand out a red card today, but it probably was a red card that I wouldn't have handed out had I been on that pitch today. So it's like fucking get it together. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous that you're, you're so right. We're West Ham fans. We're watching that going, I don't know if that's really even a yellow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we like, we should get the ball. Like, you are correct. I don't know about even giving him a yellow. Oh, you're going to give him two. Oh, shit. You're going to send yeah. him off. Like, it's just a, a, a crazy moment. And look, uh, for any Crystal Palace fans listening to this, which we know there's none of you, but uh, 
Yeah, I, I don't think that we we don't know that that was a little bit of a soft red. It was a little bit of a soft red. So we're fully aware on that. Um, my red card's going to go to David fucking Moyes. Okay, I know you're <laughs> listening to the podcast. I know that you're listening and you're taking my advice. Give me some goddamn credit. That's what I want. I'm sick and tired of you stealing my ideas and then implementing them on the pitch and then they work. It's absolutely ridiculous, David Moyes. Guys, if you if you haven't been listening to the show, the only reason I give him a red card is because I'm not trying to break the juju. Ever since I've been giving him red cards, we've been playing well. So that's the only reason I'm doing it. So forgive the ridiculousness of my red card, but I, I had to do it. Um, as always, it is time for a little PSA here from American Hammers Radio. Um, something that's very near and dear to our hearts here out in Fresno, California, something that we have dealt with is obviously suicide. And we want you to know that if you're listening to this show, um, you have family. We are that family. You're more than welcome to reach out to myself or Liam to uh, let us know, and we'll be here. We'd be more than happy to listen. Uh, if you're not comfortable talking to us, there is such thing as the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. That number is one 800 Two seven three eight two five five. Again, that number is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. And for our over the seas listeners, Liam hit them with that. So you can call Samaritans, and it is one one six one two three. So I found what was the local number for for England. Uh, but yeah, the same thing. So if you if you don't feel comfortable talking to us or to other supporters, either online or you know in person, when they do finally lift the tier and we can have people back in like we did at the Man U game. Um, if you don't have the opportunity to do that, please, please reach out at least to the Samaritans, 116-123. As always, we want to say thank you so much to American Hammers Network. Uh, thank you to Tim and Lee for providing us this platform and a chance. We'll try to do better and, and be more consistent. Obviously, <laughs> it's this holiday season. It gets a little crazy, and it's kind of hard to do sometimes. But nonetheless, we thank each and every one of you that does listen. Please get involved with the show. You can hit it at a w h u a h r. Is that what it is? Now we changed yeah, it. Uh, a, yeah, it's a h r w h u. I had a, a dyslexia. I apologize. A h r w h u at a h r w h u on Twitter. Um, feel free to reach out to us, send us a message, let us know how bad we suck. And if you ever want to get involved in the show, please let us know. We always more than willing to expand this platform to anybody who wants to get involved. Thank you so much to Liam for joining us today. Um, and if you find yourself in Fresno, California, this Monday happens to be 1130 AM and you're like, I need to catch the West Ham match. Make sure you reach out to the Fresno Irons. We'd love to bring you in and uh, show you. Remember, your first beer is on us, even if it is a house party, and we won't tell anybody if you don't wear a mask. So thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being a part of this thing. Liam, are you ready? I'm ready if you are. All right. Come, Come on, on, you, you Irons. irons.